0: Are you one of the lucky ones that connected with Christopher and got a colored ring around your profile picture on LinkedIn? I had him on the show last week to pay it forward as he did this for free for so many people and I wanted to do something for him by highlighting his company that helps companies in the manufacturing sector. He has a great story so make sure you go and check it out wherever you listen to podcasts or at letstalksupplychain.com. I grew up with supply chain in my blood. I spent eight years in logistics operations and another eight in sales talking to shippers and BCOs learning all about their pain points. Visibility is one of the biggest blockers to supply chain performance and knowing where your cargo is well that's just the beginning. What you really want to do is avoid surprises. Terminal 49 is an ocean freight visibility platform that's out to change the game for importers and brokers. They provide an easy to use unified dashboard with track and trace functionality to replace querying hundreds of separate steamship line and terminal websites. Just by entering the bill Of lading number, you will receive proactive alerts when there's an ETA change, container holds, or anything that requires action. Best of all, they can automatically update all the data you need for forecasting directly in the systems you use today, even spreadsheets. Check out terminal49.com forward slash LTSC to learn more about Terminal 49 and they've agreed to give Let's Talk Supply Chain listeners 20% off their first year. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. There is so many hot topics in supply chain right now. Everybody's talking about manufacturing. We're talking about upskilling. We're talking about new paradigms, new normals, and there is so much going on. So how are you staying on top of it? Well, one of the ways is with my super trend series where we have partnered with supply chain now. And uh, we just did an episode. We up. We had episode three come out, super trend number three, about the holistic approach to talent, change your way. Go and check it out. It's episode 355 over on Supply Chain now. Number four is coming up in a couple of weeks, startup mentality, and then we're having a Twitter chat on the Let's Talk Supply Chain Twitter uh, page, which is June 11th at 2 p.m. Eastern, and we're going to be asking questions about all the super trends that we've been talking about on the show. Plus, last week, I did a LinkedIn Live with Jay Fortenberry, Mike Cadio, and Jonathan Kempe, all the way from Australia. So we had Australia, Canada, Portland, Boston, all on this live. You can find it over at the Let's Talk Supply Chain page. We talked about new paradigms in supply chain and some of the comments that we got was that this episode was Everybody loved it. The comment section was blowing up. So make sure you go and check that out. We talked about geolocation, upskilling, security and supply chain, so, so much more. So today I'm really excited to have one of the largest air freight carriers from China on the show because they were instrumental in helping to deliver essential PPE to the places that needed it the most. We will talk about how they pivoted to keep freight moving and what the next few months mean for supply chain globally. But first, let's get to the question of the week. So we asked, what do you need the most help with right now? And we got a couple of great answers. John Baglino from Optessa said, Personal side, I'm always available for a conversation or chat. Business side, while we have felt the impacts of our clients postponing, canceling, or pulling back on some projects, we've kept in close contact and have pivoted with them to meet their new needs. And so it's really good to hear that because... You know, it's it's hard times for everybody right now and everybody needs different things. So it's just a matter of finding out what that means. Alvaro says, I am thinking forward more right now. What I need is to keep on building resiliency to be able to catch the business revenue prior to COVID-19 and being able to implement most of the things learnt during the past few weeks. Alvaro, that is so great. I'm glad that you shared that. I think there's a lot of people who are feeling that exact same way. You know, There's a lot coming at us right now. Some of us have time. Some of us don't have a lot of time. Where do we focus our energies? How do we come out of this more resilient than uh, we were before? So thank you to everyone who participated this week. Remember to join in on the conversation every single Wednesday morning on Let's Talk Supply Chain, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. So back to today's episode, Michael Pisa, Senior VP at Apex Logistics, joins me to talk about all things logistics, including how they navigated the recent pandemic, what they learned, and how they will move forward. Let's learn a little bit about Michael before we dive into Apex. So Michael Pisa is Vice President of Corporate Sales at Apex Logistics International. Michael was a key contributor to the successful opening of of the Apex New York office followed by the Apex Seattle office in 2013. Among Michael's 18-year tenure in global supply chain management, he is an experienced licensed customs broker with high-performance expertise in account management, business development, air cargo solutions, trade and customs brokerage compliance, and marketing. Prior to joining Apex in 2011, Michael spent 10 years with Barthco, a division of OHL, which has now since been acquired by Geodis. So welcome to the show, Mike.
1: Hey, good afternoon, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So throughout my career, I have worked with and known about Apex. I mean, I don't know if everybody knows, but my, I have a forwarder background and Apex has always been a company that, you know, I've heard about. I've done some work with and I have a great respect for you and your team. And I'm really glad that I get to help showcase your story today. So let's start with that. You know, why don't you tell us how did Apex logistics get its start and how has the company evolved to who you are today?
1: Yeah, that sounds a great great place to start, uh, Sarah. We've got a very cool story. You know, I've been with the company about ten years now, and it's been a very exciting ten years. Um, Apex overall is a, is a relatively young company. It started in two thousand and two. Uh, it's a uh, it started in Shanghai with our founder Tony Song, and it really started uh, dominantly as a co-load business. So we would go. Tony would go out and sign you know uh, large airline contracts with various different airlines. And then we would sell that space to other forwarders in the community. And uh, sometime around 2010, um, you know, we really started to change that focus and really start to go directly to customers. Um, I also would like to mention that we we started in the U S in 2003. So our, the head of the U S is a woman by the name of Elsie Kwan, who's just a dynamic leader. And she's really guided us through this entire, uh, you know, incredible run that we've been on the last uh, 18 years. Uh, she joined the company in 2003 in Los Angeles with really just a handful of employees. And now we've grown in the U.S. to have about 500 employees. So it's, it's really been a, an incredible run that she's guided us through. Um, you know, so you know we've, we've pivoted away from that co-load environment. We, we still have some co-load business in China that we kind of focus on because of our air freight capacity. But in 2010, 2011, uh, Apex hired uh, a team of people that included myself and a few others uh, to really help drive the, the direct customer business. And the main reason for that was we have all this air freight capacity that we control and we thought we could bring value to some of the large air freight shippers and, uh, and we've been able to do that. Um, you know, we're, we also are a little bit different than your traditional freight forwarders. Uh, we've evolved into a, a quasi-airline and freight forwarder because we operate uh you know so many charters uh per year so to give you an example last year in 2019 we operated just about 500 charter flights uh, i know it's it's a it's a you know we've got some regular schedule charters that go uh you know about six to ten a week on average from uh, mainly china hong kong and taiwan to the us and then we obviously have customer specific charters that we also operate so so I think that makes us a little bit unique in the marketplace. That we are, uh, you know, almost a quasi airline and freight forwarder. Uh, and uh, you know, I, just some numbers to throw at you. You know, from our growth, that when I joined the company in January of 2011, we were about 300 million, and right now we're about one and a half billion. So we've grown a, a billion wow. dollars in about ten years. So um, and we've got other things that we focus on. Uh, so we've recently made an ocean acquisition to really help our ocean freight product grow. Uh, so that's just starting to take shape, but we're expecting some significant growth there in the in in the future. Uh, and then we've got a great customs compliance team that we've really done a lot of uh, you know customs work, trade consulting work, especially around the e-commerce product. So there's niches within Apex that uh, have really helped this growth that that we've been going through.
0: Well, and it's amazing to see, I mean, on in the forwarding space, especially, you know, to grow to that kind of size um, is really kudos to not only the company, but the management team. I love the fact that, you know, the US division is run by a woman. And I just want to let the audience know because she's actually going to be featured on the show coming up a little bit later in the year in our Woman in Supply Chain series. And I want to know all about that. So I cannot wait to ask her how she's done that. Um, you know, you've got to have a really good understanding of the industry and a passion for the industry to, to really be able sure. to do that. So, yes, I um, totally you know, agree. And
1: I, I tell people very openly that she's the reason that I work for Apex and she's just a dynamic leader. So I look forward to listening to your podcast as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm really excited. And it's yeah. it's awesome to also be able to talk to a company that's so entrenched on the air freight side. You know, a lot of times we talk to forwarders that are, more entrenched on ocean, or maybe have a combination of both. Um, And it sounds like, you know, the ocean side is growing for you. But the air freight side is really, really interesting, especially with everything that's happening right now. And so for those that don't know, you know, Apex Logistics is a forwarder, but they're also the number three charter air freight forwarder out of China, which is a huge accolade with, you know, the amount of product produced in that region. I mean, we might see a shift in that later. But as of right now, there is a lot of product coming out of China. So what does that look like? How much product do you move weekly and what kind of products do you move?
1: Yeah, so uh, the, the, we have a couple of main verticals that, that we kind of focus on. Obviously, the high-tech vertical being uh, you know the largest for Apex. We also have a big retail vertical, automotive parts, e-commerce, and then a military department of defense vertical that we also f- focus on. I would say that those being the main verticals at this time. Um, in terms of, you know, volume, uh, it, it's a lot of cargo, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot, it can, it can be, you know, it's quite significant. Um, you know, I don't have the numbers on hand right now, but it's been growing pretty you know, consistently over the years. But as you mentioned, IATA ranked us, uh, the number three forwarder out of China. And, um, you know, that, that's quite a, you know, we're quite proud of that too. And now we, I think we're up to like the number 14, uh, global air freight forwarder in the world. And one of the things that we like to focus on with that is that we, you know, we're really trans-Pacific focused. So obviously, there's a lot of uh, you know global forwarders that are ahead of us in terms of number of kilos moved, uh, and, and there's a lot of European forwarders that kind of you know hold a very strong place in the air freight market. But Apex is really trans-Pacific focused, and we're privately held, which I think that makes us a little bit unique in time kind of where we sit in the market. And um, we we have. You know, I will mention that we have started to see some significant growth in Europe. We've branched out into areas like Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, very heavy in Vietnam now as well. Canada and Mexico, we're seeing some you know, significant growth growing in and out of those markets. So Although we've maintained this strong China focus, we are going through a little bit of a global expansion, kind of shifting with the markets, as you will, as the sourcing goes to other places. We want to obviously make sure our planes in the right places to move that cargo. So.
0: Absolutely. I want to yeah. go back to that charter comment because you said that yeah. you, how many charters was that in 2019?
1: 500. Okay. Can you
0: explain to the audience what exactly a charter is? I mean, it's, it's a whole airplane, but how much does it hold? Like, what are you moving?
1: So, yeah, so the the charters are, um, so they hold about a hundred thousand kilos, uh, 600, uh, per flight. You know, most of our charters are seven forty seven aircraft. Uh, and we, you know, and we, we, We've moved them around throughout the years, depending on where production is, especially as we kind of move with the electronics specifically, because they're so air freight dominant. But, um, you know, I, I think we're going to, you know, get into some of the, the recent issues. But last year, for example, we, Wuhan was a very important place for APEX in the last year or two, and it will continue to be an important place for us in the, year, uh, the years to come in time to come here. Uh, but last year, we were running six flights a week, Wuhan to Chicago. Um and uh, obviously, there's a lot of medical products and high tech products that come out of those markets, and that will resume in the future. So we're we're looking forward to getting back into that market. But and then we you know, we've got different charters, Hong Kong to Los Angeles. I mean, there's a lot of different moving parts, and then we go customer specific on some of the flights when somebody really needs capacity. And um, you know, it's definitely exciting. But you know, like you mentioned in the beginning, that. Uh, you know, our leadership team, we have a lot of very smart air freight people within the company. Yeah, they make sure that, you know, they know how to manage the capacity, make sure we have aircrafts in the locations that we need to be, you know, and and things of that nature. And and I think, you know, I stand more on the commercial side dealing directly with the customers. But I know that those those folks that we have there will always support our customers and support me whenever we need something, they're able to get it done, which which is a good feeling to have
0: yeah, and I'm sure you know when you say managing capacity, you know, making sure that every inch of that aircraft is used for product. I mean, That's you know air air freight, air freight um, is definitely something that uh, we need. Not everybody can move product by air freight, but when you do move product by air freight, you want to make sure that you you use every inch of that. Right. so.
1: And we do. Uh, one thing I want to mention about the charters, too, is we operate uh, many of them on the return from the U.S. back to the Asian market. So, you know, I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why, you know, that's another unique uh, thing that we have is that we have a lot of return product, whether it's e-commerce, perishable products, things of that nature. And I think that that gives us a unique place in the market to be able to operate so many charter aircrafts, but you know, operate in both ways as well.
0: Absolutely. So yep. you mentioned Wuhan. I mean, obviously that's been a, an epicenter and and hot topic in the last couple of months with the with COVID and we're we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I'm sure, you know, things have really changed drastically for you as a forwarder, obviously on the air freight side since the pandemic has struck. You know, how have you pivoted and been agile to the constant change of restrictions? Because um you and I spoke earlier, you know, it kind of started with tariffs last year. Um, Um, And now we're moving. We've moved into this pandemic where there's not as many flights moving. As a forwarder, you know, I'm sure that there's some challenges that you guys have sort of navigated through over the last year. So, what did what did that mean? How did you pivot? How have you been agile with that?
1: Well, yeah, I I think there's been a very dynamic situation. You know, I I, sometimes it's very complex as well as relates to logistics and supply chain. So I'll start by saying that one of the things that really impacted the air freight market was all the passenger aircrafts that were uh, canceled, right? Because all of a sudden there started to be no passenger aircrafts in and out of China or very limited passenger activity. And people don't realize that in the cargo environment that there's a lot of cargo that travels on those passenger aircrafts. So if you look at the China market specifically, almost 40% of the cargo that comes out of China travels on a passenger aircraft. So that means 60% is traveling the freighter charter environment and then 40% on the passenger. But then if you take the European market, for example, when Europe started to shut down because of COVID, Europe is heavily dependent on the passenger air freight, uh, passenger aircraft for their freight movement. So you're talking upwards of 70% of the cargo going in and out of Europe travels even as high as 80% travels on a passenger aircraft. So when you take those two, when you ground all those aircrafts, the passenger aircraft, it really has a drastic impact on the air freight market. Um, we felt like we were in a very unique situation because, you know, we're, we're a charter operator year round and we had capacity. So, you know, part of uh, Apex, we, we really uh, felt like we were in a position to help. Uh, so we started, we, we started helping, um, you know, some of the government action um you know, government response teams where we are giving them airspace on our, our, our aircrafts. And then a lot of our customers, you know, they started producing PPE products. And right. uh, so we started flying, you know, the amount of PPE products, even as, as we do this today, um, you know, there's still a tremendous amount of PPE products coming out. Um, and some of the cool things that we've worked on, I mean, we, we delivered a number of aircraft directly into the Javits Center here in New York. New York is where I sit. Um, but th- you know, it, it feels nice to be able to help out the community and deliver those products on time. Cause we've got the capacity and things of that nature. Uh, but it's been, definitely been a dynamic air freight situation, uh, because people are flying in a lot of this, uh, PPE, uh, just for references, personal protective equipment, which yeah. could be <clears throat> goggles, face masks, gloves, you know, you know, body suits, and obviously a lot of masks and things of that nature. Uh, but it's really taking up a lot of space in the air freight market. And, uh, It's driving rates uh, higher than I've, you know, I've been doing this, you know, about 15, 18 years, uh, really heavy on the air freight side for about 15 years. And uh, I've never seen rates as high as they are right now, um, which I, you know, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but there's just a demand capacity imbalance going on in the market. And some of the electronics guys are still shipping very heavily. And some of the automotive supply chains are still shipping very heavily. And then you add this PPE component to it, uh, that's really kind of disrupting the marketplace. And You know, the other thing that I'll mention is it's a global thing, right? So it's not just products coming to the U.S., right? There's a lot of PPE products going to Europe, uh, Australia, going globally. So you've got this kind of moving around the world, taking up a lot of aircraft space. So I think, um, yeah, it's having a big impact and uh, we'll have to see how long it lasts here.
0: Yeah and it sounds like it's it's been really fun to sort of watch your journey actually because you you guys came out with a video a little bit a little while ago to show your involvement with the PPE and how you've been able to help not only governments but you've been able to move PPE into regions that really have needed it um and I just want to say you know kudos to you and your team because I think that being able to really pivot early on which is what you guys did you know you didn't wait <laughs> Um, you kind of pivoted early on because you saw exactly what was going on and exactly what was needed. Um, and I think that, you know, that is a really, you know, honorable sort of accolade that, you know, Apex can hold their head up high to say, hey, you know, we were really a big part of, you know, the the effort to protect the frontline workers and not just in North America, and not just in China, but I think we're talking about Europe as well. So,
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: you know, you must have an amazing team globally, which I kind of just mentioned um, and they've helped you navigate the changes and be innovative at the drop of a dime. What is the secret? Can you let us That's in right. a little bit? I mean, uh, I'm not going to lie. There might be some other forwarders listening to this,
1: Sure, but sure. I
0: think you can give us some nuggets.
1: Well, you know, first of all, thank you for all that. And, and, you know, I, uh, I feel fortunate to be part of this team for sure. And th- there are some people at the top that really have guided us through, I always, there's some people on the team that think a couple of steps ahead for sure. And, uh, it's always good to have that kind of visionary leadership at the top to help us kind of get, get through some of that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that there's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. You know, we, we caught up on the, uh, the e-commerce cross-border business. We we launched that business for Apex in 2014, and at the time, no one was talking about e-commerce cross-border business. But we did. We saw some activity there, and we launched it, and and now we're one of the leaders on that e-commerce cross-border business. And I think that's something to to, to go through. Uh, and then the other thing I'll say about the talent around the company, like over the years, we've really upgraded the talent. You know, all over all over the world. I mean, uh, you know when we started, right, I think you go through growing pains and, you know, you know, certain, you know, certain state, you go through stages as you're growing and you you have to constantly be getting better, right? In order, there's, you know, people always say there's only two ways you're either growing or you're shrinking, right? Or, you know, there's two directions you can go up or down. And I think that, you know, one of the things we've been able to do is kind of keep that uh, growth going and, uh you know, keep adding good talent around the world to help us achieve those goals. I mean, we've got, a lot of new people that have joined Apex in the last 12 months because they say, oh, well, we want to we want to be a part of this because you guys are really going in the positive direction. We think we can add some value. People that we might not have been able to bring on board in the beginning because they didn't see the vision. Um, and one thing that's always good for me to know is I know that, you know, if I meet one of my colleagues that's from you know China, Qingdao or somewhere like that or Australia or New Zealand or Germany, I know that that person is accountable and, and very responsible now. So it's always good to know that your colleagues, everyone's in this together, right? We're all moving in one direction, and they're very talented in their own way. Um, but yeah, it, I think I think you hit it right on the head. I think finding the right talent, attracting it, and then you know keeping it and using their skills to help us grow has been really one of the success stories with Apex. And <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to stop. I mean, we we brought on a lot of new people, and and we're starting to see their impact, you know, on the company here. So uh, I'm excited to see where it keeps going.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, I was just on another podcast a couple of weeks ago talking about how storytelling really helps to attract talent, to retain talent. And so it sounds like you guys have been um, really able to do that. I mean, not even just putting it out there in the market, but by doing, right? Yep. By showing, by by um, the actions that you've been taking and how you've been growing and, and the um, the interest in the market. And yeah. so that in itself has retained or actually attracted the talent. And that's what I think we need to, we need more companies to do, right? There's yeah. a lot of talent out there. I, I, I'm not entirely sure that we have a shortage of talent. There's a lot of talent out there. And I think it's just about our messaging and how we figure out, um, al- obviously, who is the right fit, not, not only for our culture, but for our teams, but also for them to figure out out that that's a company that they can get behind, that's the vision that they're looking for, and that's who they want to work for. And I think that it's an extremely important point, especially nowadays, um, where people are saying that they're struggling to find talent um, and really giving them sort of that that rundown of how it's worked for you, and maybe what they should be looking to do in the future to attract talent themselves.
1: Yeah, I, I fully agree. I mean, it, it, you know, in the beginning, Sarah, I'll tell you this story real quick. That like when I first joined, like we we were a very small company, right? We only had maybe twenty five employees in the U.S. And I, they, you know, Elsie and Tony started sharing their vision about where they wanted to take the company, and you know, I, I could see the vision, right? And, and um, but you know, I think you know, in the beginning, it was hard for people to see that vision, right? Because it was so small and still growing. Yes, they always had the strong capacity commitment in China. But I remember when I first joined, like, you know, I had left a a very great company as well. And uh, I joined, you know, and uh, people were like, what are you doing? Like, why? you know, you had this big corner office and you're starting, now you have folding tables and folding chairs. Why would you make this kind of move? (laughs) And then, but now it's, you're right. It's much easier to attract talent because people can buy into, okay, you know, I think more importantly for me was I had to have a story to tell my customers and Apex has a great story to tell its customers, right? We have a real value proposition and that value proposition is we control air freight capacity. If you need air freight capacity, we've got it with a a, good good product and a good rate and things of that nature. So I I think there's two sides, right? You've got to have the product and then you've got to have the people and then you've got to execute. And I think it's a, a good combination.
0: And it is, it is a good story. And, and, you know, um, forwarders need to have that story to really differentiate themselves in the market and to show value um, to the customers and the shippers that are out there. So that brings me to my next point. Um, Can you share with us an example of how you've worked with a customer? You don't have to tell us who they are because I know you do work with some high level um, companies, but what has that meant for their business? So maybe start with what challenge they were having, what solution and kind of how it benefited their company.
1: Sure. So you know, I think we're in a unique spot that we're a mid-sized forwarder for all intensive purposes, right? There's a lot of big companies, uh, you know, global large, and maybe not as flexible. You know, I don't want to. I'm just making a general statement there. And then there's also some smaller forwarders that might not have the, the product to support. But yeah, you know, I think the the value proposition that Apex brings is really um, you know flexibility. And um, you know, and then we really try and spoil the customer and give them a very positive experience. Anything that they might need, we try and kind of cater our solutions around that. And um, you know, I you know, I think some of the best examples are you know, there, there's large companies and you know, they they come to us and say, well, we need your air freight capacity. And I remember sitting in a few different meetings, uh, one in particular where we we basically came right out and asked the customer. I mean, it's it's one of the, the largest uh, you know. Uh, I guess electronic shippers out there, and we said, why? Do, why Apex? You can choose any forwarder in the market. You know, why us? And they basically, you know, came to us and said, well, because you guys don't tell us no, and you know, and <laughs> and and you know, and they basically said, you always find a way to get it done, and if and if you can't find a way, you give us all these different options as possible solutions. And I think that's a good testament to who we are. We we try and customize to the cut, you know, really meet the customer's supply chain and kind of find our space within that and then execute on what we do best. And that's really the air freight component to it. So um, I I do want to mention a a couple other things that we, you know, we we set up an account management program. That's really a a pretty unique program that I think customers also enjoy. So we, you know, know, similar to the point that we were just talking about, we went out and found some very good key account management folks to join the team. And then we put them on a lot of our, you know, all of a lot of our um, what I'll call core business and, and those, those key account folks do a great job. They spoil the customer. I mean, any, anything you need, they'll, they'll kind of cater to. Um, and, uh, and the, you know, I think that you know, having that kind of a, account management structure, that um, really helps. You know, having one person at the top, obviously backed up by a lot of strong operations people, a lot of strong customer service. But it's uh, it's like the concierge service, Sarah. You get the concierge, you know, anything you need, you, you ask the key account manager, they'll find a way to get it done. Uh, and I, and I think we've, you know, you know, just the last point I make is I think that we also, you know, we find ways to provide unique solutions. I mean, we've, I, we've had a couple of situations recently where, you know, we, we've done things that probably no one else could do. We went out and found a solution that was unique. And I think, I think that's what it's all about is finding solutions to help your customers do, do their business well. And, um, you know, I, I just, uh, we try and drive that through the whole organization, just solutions and uh, customer service. So uh, that's really what we're about.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, being solution oriented and, you know, being in front of your customer as solution oriented and as a team of solution oriented, um, you know, members of their extended team, right? Because freight forwarders need to be a partner to the shippers. Um, yeah. Too long, I think traditionally, it's kind of been one one side versus the other. And I'm really excited <laughs> to see them come together because I think that, you know, I always say on the show, collaboration is the future of business. It sounds like Apex is getting that and um, it's really driving success throughout that organization. So I'm really yeah. glad to see that. Yeah. So, you know, as we are, you know, going to come out of COVID because obviously we're going to come out of COVID. It's just a matter of time. How will the team at Apex be supporting your customers in the coming few months as we do navigate, um, the phase
1: after COVID? Right. I I think that's a really loaded question, Sarah. So I'm going to do my best to answer. (laughs) The answer is it's very unclear, right? The the future is very unclear at the moment. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of it is the retail sector, you know, how are they going to come out of this? Um, obviously the retail sector is a, is, you know, a heavy uh, logistics sector as well. So I think there's a lot of uh, around that. And obviously we need to get the aircrafts back in the air. So the passenger aircrafts back in the air, how long does that take to happen? Uh, the ocean carriers have also had a lot of, you know, vessels that have not been sailing uh, for because the, the demand has not been there. So there's going to be a ramp up period. Um, and I, I think, you know, from a logistic supply chain, I think people are going to really start looking at, you know, how do we get the product to our customers as, you know, as effectively as possible. And um, I, I think it's, I think people are going to just be a little bit more sensitive in terms of you know, diversity of the supply chain, maybe diversity of origins, uh, diversity of, you know, uh, you know, different origins that they ship from possibly supplier base. And I, I you know, I, I think the retail one is the one that I'm really looking at to saying, you know, you know how's that going to look when this is over i i don't know do you have any thoughts on how it's going to look i'm not sure
0: <laughs> well you know and i do think that it is a bit of a loaded question i think that you know from our discussion today you know apex is in a good position from an air rate uh, an air freight perspective um, because of your relationship with the airlines. Um, for me, I think that, you know, there are, there is going to be a, a couple of months transition, obviously on the logistics side for us to be able to ramp up from an air freight and an ocean freight standpoint. Um, you and I were talking about earlier, I think that, you know, we're going to diversify some of our manufacturing and I think companies are really going to look at, like you said, the just in time opportunities and taking a look at, you know, air freight as a solution, but holistically you know it not just the cost of moving goods by air freight but also looking at all of the costs involved from sourcing to last mile to getting it to the customer how do we how do we increase that customer experience and keep that customer for longer
1: yep i fully agree
0: right and so what would you say that companies then coming out of covid what should they be focusing on right now
1: I think, you know, efficient supply chains, making sure you can get the products to your customer timely. Um, And I think there's going to be different ways to do that coming out of this. Maybe not carrying huge inventories in the U.S., you know, maybe more centralized inventory control, possibly, you know, one distribution center in Asia, one in Europe, one in the USA, something along these lines. I think customers are going to be a little bit more sensitive about their supply chain, you know, capital expense, carrying costs, things of that nature. Um, You know, because, you know, there's companies right now, like, you know, I don't want to maybe single out any company, but uh, but there's companies right now that are doing well, right? Cause they've got kind of a, you know, a hybrid model of both, um, you know, physical locations online um, and people are still buying, right? I mean, there's, there's still a fair amount of money moving around, but I think you've got to have that diversity to, uh, to be able to handle that. And um, yeah, and I think, you know, you've also got to be prepared. You got to be a little bit nimble. We've seen some customers that, you know, might not have had the right provider in place with capacity in the markets that they need to. So I think you know, people might be a little bit more uh, aware of, listen, we need people that control capacity uh, to help us through these difficult times, especially like, you know, something that's happening right now. I think you're going to see a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, just people in tune with, okay, let's keep our carrying costs low. Let's, let, let's make sure we have the right provider that can kind of navigate us through a difficult time. I think, you know, that's what I see coming out of this.
0: Yeah, and i i would uh, I would definitely agree with you on that. I think that you know a big focus on customer experience, but online e commerce customer experience. I think yeah. you know we've seen a huge spike in that right now. I don't think that that's going to go away. I, I think that so. there are bricks and mortar stores and things that we need to get from a bricks and mortar standpoint. Um, but this is really bringing people online who have never really been online before or maybe only dabbled in online and you know that's going to create a huge spike it's also going to create that just in time like you said inventory model and what does that look like for a company you know are we looking at the capital intensive finished products sitting in a warehouse waiting for that order or are we looking to increase those margins um, look at a just in time maybe include air freight into that Uh, Discussion or that strategy, or maybe we're looking at raw materials and manufacturing some products a little bit closer to home, maybe through 3D printing, that kind of thing. So, you know, there's a lot to consider. I, you know, being a supply chain professional must be extremely stressful and hard right now. But like you said, it's going to be really important to focus on those relationships and the partnerships that you can build that will mitigate some of your risks moving forward. And so, with that i want to talk about the future so what's next for apex
1: yeah so i have a couple thoughts on this so the the you know one of the things that we've we spent a lot of time on here recently is um technology you know we we hired uh, you know a, a, a tremendous guy to kind of lead our technology department our positions arrow was because we control the capacity we feel like we're king right to a certain degree uh, but then in recent years, you've seen some, some, uh, some new uh, companies come onto the market that are really tech-savvy companies. And, um, you know, and they have a lot to offer as well. So we believe that the future is really a combination of the guy that controls the capacity and has the savvy technology. So we've spent a lot of you know, money and time in the last three or four years. And now we're in a place that we're very happy with technology. So like what you're talking about, you know, we this has been said for years, but flow of information is just as important as flow of product, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and now I think we're in, a, we're in a good place that we're really, you know, excited to bring that experience out to the marketplace, which we, we've done uh, already, but uh, I, we think we can do it on a much larger level here in the, this year particularly. And then, you know, apex has got a lot of cool stuff going on just as a general company i mean we, we've got a lot of global expansion that we want to we want to tackle um, you know the vision for apex is to be a, a major global air freight forwarder so uh, we had some you know we had some locations that we wanted to open up in the last you know year but because of the tariff situation and and because of this covid situation we've kind of slowed down a little bit uh, but you know the global expansion will continue for apex uh, over the next couple of months uh in the next couple years uh but you know really in the next couple months we're hoping to open up a few new locations around the world and get some good growth there and then you know lastly like you know we're talking about just what's what's the future look like like in terms of supply chain and we're talking about right now i have this vision that i'm not sure if it's going to ever come to fruition but i could see a couple like global malls rather than having physical malls. right you're going to have these global malls like you know and And people are really going to do a lot of interaction on those global malls and ship cross-border e-commerce kind of all over the world. And, uh, you know, you're seeing it today on on a smaller level, right? I like soccer and you can now buy, you know, your favorite soccer team in Europe. You can get that delivered to your house in a couple of days. And I I think that there's going to be a lot of that kind of movement here in the future. But it takes some time to put those supply chains and, and infrastructure together. So I think it's still coming together, but you're starting to see it in a small way, but um, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really kind of what's going, what we have next in mind uh, in terms of Apex and, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> well, very, very exciting. And yeah. I can't wait to watch your journey and what you guys are doing over at Apex, because I think you guys are definitely somebody to watch. So from being the third largest, largest air charter freight forwarder to donating time and assets to the relief, to being your partner of choice as you navigate new business normals apex has lent their knowledge and expertise to us today if you would like more information about apex mike and this episode please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode 116 or you can visit them at apexglobe.com thank you to holly and the team for making this episode happen and thank you to mike for coming on the show today
1: thank you so much sarah i appreciate it really enjoyed being here
0: If you like this episode, be sure to go to podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com and check out the different categories that we have so that you can find the episodes that you want to hear the most. Next week, coming up next week, I have got Chris from Right Sized Inventory. He is coming to tell us all about what they are doing in warehousing and distribution. You're not going to want to miss that one. They've got some great innovation and stories to share. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter. When you do that, you also get a free download of some of the eBooks that we have available at letstalksupplychain.com. Also, go and subscribe to us on YouTube, the SC Supply Chain TV, and subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Next, go to ships.com and register. We are in full beta, and if you are a forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain access to more choice worldwide, and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you're not going to want to miss out on our platform and go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z- Next, go to shop at letstalksupplychain.com. We've got all sorts of merch for that amazing logistician, supply chain management professional, procurement professional in your life. Go and check that out. We've also got a supply chain dictionary, which is 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions you need in your supply chain career. Lastly, if you'd like to be featured on a show, make sure to rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts, and we will feature you on an upcoming episode.
1: Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.